Good morning. Good morning. My name is uh, Phil Gore. I'm not the pastor here. I I was a pastor for almost 20 years, and uh, currently, for the last 14 years, I've worked in developing school boards, and uh, for the last seven, across the state of Texas. But I'm uh, honored to be here this morning, and I was recalling as in worship, uh, the last time I spoke here in person on a Sunday morning, I think there were about five of us here. And uh, so it's been almost a year ago, and I was remembering because Aaron had assigned the topic to me. And uh, as I recall, they were in quarantine for potential exposure to the coronavirus. And uh, so kind of a, a last-minute thing. Well, I'm a bit of a fill-in again uh, for, because of a series of things, and, and I'm okay with that. In fact, uh, I'm at a place in my life where it would be wonderful just to fill in at a moment's notice or, uh, you know, some when some things come up. But uh, what a year this has been, right? And I I was curious, uh, as I saw a couple of people today that I haven't seen in person within the last year or more, um, how many people have not been in this building within the last year? My my sister Ruth and uh, some folks here in the back. Are are you new to Rockbridge? Okay, all right, I got it. I met Tamara this morning who had uh, joined us online at some point over the last year, and and here she is. Uh, And as we we start to come back uh, and be in person, it's, well, it's a strange time. And it's a strange time with the topic this morning, this idea of unity of the body of Christ. My wife and I, uh, Julie, have been partners here at Rockbridge for the last five years, and we, uh, for most of this last year, participated through on, on services on Sunday mornings. In fact, I think at least seven of those weeks we were in Minneapolis uh, for good reasons, uh, and um, we'll maybe get into that as we go along, but rather than me just continue to ramble, why don't we pray together? God, thank you for an opportunity to gather in your name, um, both in person and online. As we deal with such an important, delicate, and difficult subject, God, guard our hearts, guard our minds and, and my words, so that your word may have its perfect work in us, and that the Holy Spirit might help us continue to mature and grow in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, again, obviously, as you see on the screen, our topic today is unity of the body of Christ. Again, uh, an important but delicate and difficult topic for me. I, I don't know about you, but for this past year, I've been deeply challenged by the pandemic, politics, uncertainty, frustration, and the impact this has had on my mental and spiritual health. Maybe like some of you listening, and many that perhaps aren't listening, I've felt separated, but not doing much on my part to come together with people. And this wasn't just a fear about getting sick, or even a potentially more noble concern about spreading disease to others. I feel like over the last 14, 15 months, 
personally that I've withdrawn into a, a bubble. Maybe for a lot of different reasons. But today I stand here not even sure how to think about that. A lot of times if we're going to solve a problem, we, we first have to be able to define the problem. And I, I can't even claim that I've been doing that well. So it, it's, it's from an inward place of awkward embarrassment that I approach this text and try to make sense with you about what God may want to say to us today. Our primary scripture, it's found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 1 through 6. In this passage of scripture, it's, uh, it's fascinating. As I, I heard an elderly minister say one time, Paul really only preached one sermon. And he just kind of said it in different ways, different times, all the way through all these letters we have in the New Testament. Certainly the words that we read here are words that he repeated over and over again in different ways, maybe so that people could get it. In, in my Bible, this read, or this, there's a heading here, unity in the body of Christ, but in some Bibles I've seen unity and maturity in the Bible of Christ. Maturity is the next several verses, and I'm assuming Pastor Jim gets to that next Sunday as we continue on this series with New Birth Community Church that met here in the first service this morning, right? And uh, for those of you that have never enjoyed one of their services or heard one of the sermons, I really encourage you to come sometime. Find a place to sit in the back or even listen from the kitchen. Tim's nodding his head. Those that have been in the worship team know that uh, how rich and how inspiring it can be to hear their service. And uh, we're on the same theme here together. Two different individual local bodies of Christ on the same theme and series. And uh, there'll be a, kind of a reiteration on Wednesday night of unpacking what these texts said. So Paul opens up and he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I want to read just the last few verses of this chapter too, because again, it ties to the theme as Paul is saying to them, after we become mature, in verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. And verse 16, from him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part 
does its work. I wanted to get to those last few verses of that section because, again, it speaks to where we're headed in maturity, but it also, in a literal way, no pun intended, it kind of fleshes this out. What do we mean by the body of Christ and why this metaphor, perhaps as opposed to some other metaphors for unity? Let's unpack some of this. So, God wants his people to live together in harmony. The primary focus of this passage is unity, and as the Apostle Paul provides insight into what he means, he compares this unity with the fact there's only one body of Christ. Body as Christ a person, and then that is an allegory for you and I joining with him. There's only one Holy Spirit, he says, And then he goes on to say there's only one hope, one faith, one baptism. Very importantly, right? There is only one God and Father of all. So what does Paul mean when he uses the word unity? Well, he means one unit. Let's keep this clear. Unity does not mean unanimity or unanimous. I mentioned a few moments ago I work with school boards across Texas. One of the things we try to do in developing school boards is to get them to work together in unity. If you see something on the television about a local school board or read something in the paper, if it was newsworthy, it probably had an instance or an occurrence where there was not unity, right? The things that make the news the sensational things or or outlandish things or as I do in my work from time to time, I'll do a Google search or a YouTube search for school boards gone wild. And it's amazing, uh, the chairs that have been thrown, right? Um, The disruptions that have happened, it's amazing kind of the outlandish things and Embarrassingly, there's some school boards I've worked with that tend to make the top 10 list nationally. And it's fascinating how to follow that and see what disunity looks like. The the comparison that Paul uses, again, it's, it's that of a body. He doesn't say we're a collection or a pile of sand, that would be one, could be one form of unity, right? Imagine a pile of sand sitting here. Or imagine a, a lake and a beautiful body of water. Where kind of essentially, aside from pollution and so forth, all the molecules are exactly the same. But the interesting thing, when we work with school boards, most school boards in the state of Texas have seven members. They come from all walks of life. There are some that have doctoral degrees and other advanced degrees. There are some that didn't graduate from high school. There are some that have written and published books and others that can't read and write. They're just lay elected citizens. Like many of you and your neighbors, they're just a collection of people. And they come together from all different kinds of backgrounds. And we like to emphasize how important it is that they bring their collective self to the conversation, right? If, if it was all supposed to be groupthink, then school boards would just need one person. They could make all the decisions. 
But there's something powerful, there's something of wisdom, there's something of beauty and the harmony that can come when people contribute what they have, what they bring, their perspectives. We too often mistake this concept that unity means groupthink. That unity means we're all of the same political persuasion or the, the same um, approach to life, maybe uh, like, like we're all a bunch of accountants or we're all a bunch of plumbers or we're all a bunch of something. And that's not what unity means. Unity means we come together from various parts. Now, think about the body, right? A hand is not an ear and an ear is not a foot. A foot's not a stomach, but they are each necessary for the body to be whole, for the body to be intact and be able to properly function. You might say if you had to choose, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, almost hope you haven't, but you might say that if you had to choose, you would choose an eye over a foot. I don't know. But I, I do know that the eye isn't going to get very far without a good foot or two to help it get there. And that the, the foot or two, the feet, are not going to get where they need to go very well if they can't see where they're going. You may, may come back to that uh, and share a couple mountain climbing pictures. The feet would have trouble getting where they needed to be if the eyes weren't there to inform them where to step and where not to step. This is the point. Unity just doesn't mean that we're all the same, and very much on the contrary, Paul emphasizes that it's quite important that each member is different, unique, if you will. I was hoping that Mark would be here this morning so he could say, to Linda, see, it's okay for me to be different, right? But I don't want to say that at Mark's expense. Maybe he'll be here in the second service and I can say that. Unity, it's a theme throughout the Bible. If you think about this, it was a, a challenge for the first family in recorded history. It was a problem in Abraham's family. And among all of his descendants, unity was a problem for the nation of Israel, and it's amazing how much has changed, and yet how little has changed. Think about the nation of Israel today. In other words, we see today some different man-made boundaries of countries or states or provinces or counties or cities. We see a lot of technologies, yet often marvel at technologies that archaeologists discover from cultures in other millennia past. In spite of all of the outward changes, the inner struggles and needs of human beings seem to stay quite similar. We all, we all crave a sense of meaning and belonging, yet we struggle to work well with others. Think about your family. Think about your neighborhood, your HOA, your, your community, your church. The scripture in Proverbs, this one on the screen, sums it up. Much of what our Heavenly Father craves for His children. You know, just as much as a mom or a dad 
craves for their children to get along. My 84-year-old mother was talking with me about that about three days ago. Oh, I just hope that you'll never be like some families and some siblings and all my children can get along. Psalms tells us how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I wanted to share this and a few other photos this morning. This one's one of the, my favorite pictures I've ever taken. These three grizzly bears, go back, guys. We got to stay on the, the pretty bears. So these, these three grizzly bears, the mom and her cubs, just laying on top of each other. Just in case my mom is logged on this morning, I was on a bus and at a very safe distance with a telephoto lens. The, these Alaskan grizzly bears, I think I've got this picture in a slide at, toward the end. You see, in this image, mom and kids, there's so much, there's so much there. You see love, you see tolerance. I've got grandbabies now. You think I care if grandbabies pull my hair? The, 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 the kids always want, oh, here, you'll need a burp cloth, you'll need a burp cloth. Do you think I care if my grandbaby spits up on me? I, I, I really, it's like the last thing of any concern that she's going to vomit all over a shirt and, and I'm, that's, it doesn't matter, right? Because the love that's there, the bond that's there. But look in the picture at what that love and bond allow or accommodate. They accommodate tolerance. These are grizzly bears. That love accommodates gentleness, grace. But don't miss the significance that that picture represents belonging. Belonging. Belonging to a family. We'll go to the next slide. It has been a strange, difficult, and yet wonderful year for many of us. In the midst of some dark times for our world and our nation, God's light has always been near. The image on the screen is one that I took just a month ago on the side of Mount Whitney. My friend Greg and I headed up there at 3 a.m. And interestingly, it's not been a good year for people from Texas to climb Mount Whitney. I may mention that again, but uh, I'm, I am always concerned that my mom is watching. And, uh, you know, thanks to the technology. They, there was uh, a man from Conroe that was, uh, fell up there and died in February. And then you may have seen, even in the local news, about almost three weeks ago, there was a, another person from Austin who was up there and got acute mountain sickness and got lost. I've had some, uh, and he was lost for days uh, without food or water or shelter, and uh, he was found, and uh, that's why he's been on the news. I've had some similar experiences in the mountains where um, things didn't go as planned or there was an extra night involved, <laughs> um, a night where you couldn't communicate with family and so forth. One of the things, though, that happens on a mountainside 
This is way before sunrise. It's amazing what the iPhone cameras can do now, right? This is actually just barely first light as I turned around and, and caught it coming behind me. The, often when you're climbing a mountain, you're, you're cold. Sometimes, sometimes you're lost. Often it, you're doing what's called an alpine start, so you're hiking or climbing in the dark. Talk about eyes, and you've got a headlamp, but you're not seeing what's around you. But then there's this thing that happens, and it happens early. First light. And first light is this glowing sense of promise. It's this glowing sense that things are going to get better, things are going to get easier, things are going to go smoother. I'll be able to see where I was going. This last year reminds me of that. I, some of you know I lost a couple of uncles this year. One was to COVID. At the same time uh, one uncle died, the same week in December, my, my twins were born in Minnesota, um, twin grandsons. And just a week or two before my granddaughter was born here in Austin, another uncle died uh, of COVID. Recently, we, we lost a staff member, 45 years old, from COVID. It's been fascinating how there's, and I, I don't have pictures of the grandkids in the PowerPoint because when, where would you stop? And if you care at all, you can connect on Facebook and there's lots of grandparent and grandchildren photos. This idea though that in, in the midst of tragedy and sorrow and confusion, in the midst of a time where we all have been divided about the pandemic, divided about social unrest and concerns about equity and diversity in our country, divided about the presidential election, and all the news and surrounding events, God's light has still been wanting to shine in us and through us, and not simply around us. Let me assure you again that within the body of Christ, there's plenty of room for us, and lots of room for those that don't even fall to one end of the spectrum on any of these issues. Unity, again, is not unanimity, where there's agreement by everyone involved. However, unity is harmony, where the voices and the instruments blend together to make something much more beautiful than what one could do contributing her or his part. In my lifetime, I've, I've heard and said both of the following statements. I don't know how a Christian could vote for a Democrat. And I have said, I don't know how a Christian could vote for a Republican. I was thinking in, in advance about this message and how God didn't call us to be Methodist or Presbyterians or Lutherans or Pentecostals or Baptists. He called us to be Christian. Christian in the Greek is actually spelled and pronounced Christianos, and it literally means follower of Christ or follower of the anointed one. With that ending of OS like Paul opens up in this passage in Ephesians where he says he's a prisoner of Christ, it really denotes that sense of, of ownership. 
Let's, let's get right into this, and I know my time is evaporating. How can the body of Christ have unity? How can it have unity? Well, Paul lays it out right here in this passage of Scripture. And, and while I've got it listed as four separate things, they're really not. They, they're just all wound together perhaps like the braided cord. They all fit together. Be completely humble and gentle, he says. Be patient. Bear with one another. And make every effort, he says. How might each of us, you and me and others that are part of the greater body of Christ, uniquely crafted as God's creation with varied opinions, perspectives, and desires, how can we come together as the body of Christ? Here's the roadmap, right? First, be completely humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Humility doesn't come from a position of weakness. God does not give us a spirit of timidity or fear or weakness. Anytime you read, particularly in the Old Testament, of the Spirit of God coming on someone or being in someone, as the, the pastor spoke a couple of weeks ago about Peter on the day of Pentecost and the boldness that came, right? So, humility is not timidity or shyness or fear because God gives us a spirit of boldness. So, so what is humility? You've often heard it misquoted most of us most of our lives that pride comes before a fall. Well, what's the scripture say? You look that one up. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. Pride comes before destruction. King James Version, a haughty spirit before a fall. So, a fall, we generally get back up, right? But pride causes an atomic explosion where things are destroyed. The, the antithesis of humility is pride, and we see pride as one of the, the seven deadly sins, but one of the problems that plagues man's, mankind from Genesis to Revelation, and it doesn't just plague mankind, it really was responsible for the fall of Lucifer from heaven. Fascinating to read about all the damage that pride can cause. Pride is all about, look at me, this is what I can do, right? Where humility is simply another spin that's much more powerful. Look at what God can do through me. When, when David whipped Goliath, it was the power of God working through him, working God's will. We, we often uh, have, we have trouble with this. We just get tripped up with a sense of somebody that seems confident. We want to say that's arrogance or we want to say that's pride, but it depends on where our confidence comes from. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, if your confidence comes from God... That's a different kind of capability. But how do we humble ourselves? Well, we humble ourselves like Jesus did. We serve. 
When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, you know, you might remember, um, Peter says, oh, no, no, Lord, I'm not going to ever let you wash my feet. Jesus said, you know, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, I don't have any part of you. You don't have any part of me. Oh, and then Peter says, well, go ahead, wash my head and my, my whole body, wash everything. But it was this idea that Jesus came and he demonstrated service. Be completely humble and gentle. Again, these weave together. Be patient. I wondered this morning if on the topic of patience, I wondered if the best thing I could do was just to pause. During our singing, there was a brief pause, and it was a little bit awkward. Oh, no, what's going to happen now? I, I listened to a, a book uh, sometime in the last two or three years. It's entitled, Thank You for Being Late. Thank you for being late. In our culture, we have a general obsession with time. I was on a cruise one time where, you know, it was the, the bell would chime and you had to be here and you had to be there and you had to be this other place. And there was a, a lady at our table, she happened to be a sister-in-law, for dinner. And every single evening she was late. So there was another man at the table, he would tap his watch the first couple of times. I think it was the third or fourth night uh, she showed up and his watch was laying on her plate. Hey, trying to get that message across. I, I interviewed someone this week for a job who, and again, these things weave together. We're going to go back to humility. We're going to move forward to um, forbear with one another, but weaving together. I was interviewing this man for a job. In, in his phone interview screening, he had been late. It's not really a good sign for an interview. I didn't know about that because that had been with our HR department. But for a, a video conference interview, he had been late. Almost 10 minutes late. And when he joined us, he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I had this or that, I had a flat tire, I had... He just jumped in like he was right on time. And so he, he actually was well qualified in so many different ways and had a great rapport, um, both in the phone screening and in the video conference. And so we, we said, um, let's, let's bring him in. But you know, if he's late, I don't know what we're going to do. And I found out after the fact that actually the man had a wife with a, has a wife with a terminal illness that he's been caring for. And we're going to have to jump ahead. Let's jump to the next slide or two as we bring this together. This idea of bear with one another was just a good reminder for me this week. When you've been at a hospital or when you're getting at an airport, you're getting on a plane, and when things are crazy, those planes, they, they're, they're late, they're, I was going to say they're early, but that almost never happens, right? There's, a, there's a, a panickiness, there's a nervousness, there's a fret, there's a worry. What's going to happen if I miss my flight? What's going to happen if I'm not on time? And, and, and in the midst of that, we need to recognize and look up as believers in Jesus Christ. There are people all around us who are going through stuff. And we don't know what they're going through. 
Maybe we think we do, but we don't know it from where they sit. We know it from what we see outside looking in. I was thinking early this morning about a time at a hospital with an aunt who passed away two or three years ago. And I was sitting there waiting. Her son was in surgery, my cousin, and she said, look around. There's a lot of pain here. Look around. And I wonder how often we, we need to look up, look around, and see the pain that's around us. And I wonder if, as I want to suggest in the slide on the screen right now behind me, sometimes bearing with one another, maybe that means helping someone else carry his or her load. Maybe that sometimes bearing with one another isn't just about tolerance, but it's about the love that covers a multitude of sins. It's about caring enough for one another to make every effort, as much as it is within us, to live in a place of peace and of harmony with those that are around us. As we bring this to a close, I wanted to share a scripture from uh, John chapter 17. It's probably the last slide up there, guys. Those are all good ones for another day. Jesus, just before he was to be betrayed, handed over to be tortured and executed, he had some last words to pray. I don't know if you've ever been with someone sharing their last words or someone going into surgery thinking they may not make it out. Those things that they have to say are so much from the heart, even when they're just simple, even just a word or two. What was Jesus' prayer for us, for you and me? He said, I, I pray also for those who believe in me through the message of the disciples, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. We've heard it said that when somebody goes, when we go to heaven, we're going to be surprised at who all's there and maybe who all's not there. Pastor Raymond this morning, he expanded my thinking on this quite a little bit. He started talking about the seraphims and the cherubims. Six-eyed creatures with wings and stuff, praising God, like this is a universal church <laughs> that God is building. It's a universal church that blows our minds. May he have his perfect work in us this morning. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for your word. 
As we begin to step into a time of Holy Communion, we pray that there be a reminder that there is only one body, just as there is only one God. Help us dwell together in harmony, to be humble, gentle, patient, tolerant, and make every effort on our part to be the people you've called us to be. In Christ's name, amen.